in the church. We've got amazing people in our lives. And I think sometimes um, there's a scripture. I can't tell you where it is right now. I looked it up here a while back, but I can't remember. But it's it's talking about how that the it's talking about an enemy blah blah enemy of the children of God, and it, it talks about how this one particular enemy, and I think it's actually uh, might even be in Revelation if I remember right. So it's probably talking about the devil because he is an enemy, and he says that you know one of the things that he does. Is he his goal, his intentions is to wear out the saints, to wear you out. You know, I think of guys that go into boot camp and how, you know, it's like the goal there is to wear them out, break them down, bring them to a point into themselves so they can begin to tell them who they are. They can begin to shape them and mold them into who they are supposed to be, who they want them to be. And, you know, that's God's uh, goal as well. I'm not saying he wears us out, but sometimes he allows us to get to the end of all things. And then, but he wants us to begin to listen to him. And so, you know, today, um, I want to talk for a, a little bit of time for a few minutes about gratitude. And I know we're going to receive communion this morning, but we'll do that at the end here when we get finished. But, um, I was reading some things this week and obviously this being, um, November, November, and it being the, um, you know, Thanksgiving month, um, it's not just because of that, but it's always my mind turns to gratitude and to gratefulness and being thankful. And so I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about the gratitude effect, because there is an effect in our life that gratitude brings, and it's a great effect. It's an amazing effect. It's an effect. It's a liberating and an expanding and a, uh, it's just an, a wonderful effect and life wants to choke that out, wants to choke our gratitude out. One little complaint at a time. One little frustration at a time. Or maybe he'll use a big one too. But I'm just saying he just wants to just one little bit at a time. And I want to start in Matthew. I want to read in Matthew chapter 26, if you would just join me here. And let me read through this, and then we'll uh, talk about this for a few minutes. Uh, verse 17, it says, On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city in a certain man, I, uh, to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near and I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed uh, them and prepared the Passover. In the evening came Jesus with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sad and began to say to him one after another, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. And Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand in the bowl with me will betray me. And Jesus and the Son of Man will go uh, just as it is written about about him, as it is written about him. But a woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him that he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, to his disciples, saying, This is... Uh, Take and eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you. 
This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it with you new in my Father's kingdom. And then they sung a hymn, and they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, just this, you might say, what's that got to do with gratitude? Well, the whole thing of the Passover, the whole matter of the Passover was all about gratefulness. The Passover was a reminder. They were remembering, and they had done this for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. They had celebrated Passover. And it was all helping them to remember to be grateful that God had brought them out. God had brought them out of Egypt. And, and that was the one thing that, that they were getting ready to do. So let me just, just kind of throw that out there. And let me just share a couple of thoughts and then we'll come back around to that. Uh, this is how the gratitude effect works in our life. Okay. This is how it works. And it's, it's like this. Your gratitude for you fill in the blank. Your gratitude for determines the love that you show for whatever you put in that blank. Let me just say it this way. The gratitude that you show for your spouse determines the love that you show your spouse. The gratitude that you have for your job will show the love that you put into your job, the love that you have for your job. The gratitude that you have for your church will determine the love that you show to your church. The, the gratitude that you have that you sh have for your family, for your home, will determine the love that you show to that home. And, and so, you know, the thing is, is gratitude, the enemy wants to choke out a grateful heart in the church. Because if we lose a grateful heart, if we lose our ability to show gratitude, and, and sometimes it's not even what we feel, it's sometimes we've got to stop, not sometimes, all the time. We've got to stop and remember. That's really what gratitude is about. It's stopping and remembering because every day we're moving forward 168 hours a day, uh, 365 days a year. We're moving fast. Time is moving forward and we tend to forget what happened back then. God's done some amazing things for us. That's the reason we celebrate anniversaries. That's the reason we celebrate birthdays. That's the reason we celebrate Christmas and we, we celebrate communion because it helps us to remember. And what is it? That's what Jesus said. And even Paul writes this in, in Corinthians when he said, as often, this is what, the, this is the, what the Lord said. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Remember. Because when we remember the goodness of God, when we remember the things that God has done for us, we become grateful. And when we become grateful, we begin to pour out love to that thing. But when we lose a grateful heart and we become dried up in harsh injuries and forgetfulness, forgetfulness is, is, is to me, it's bad. When we forget, there's some things we need to forget. But there's some things that we never need to forget. The love of God, the kindness of God, the salvation, what he paid, the price he paid for our life. When gratitude is not practiced, when we don't practice gratitude, love is not expressed. Now we might, oh, yeah, let me show a little love. Oh, hey, how you doing? But love is not expressed when we do not practice gratitude. And when I say practice, it's, it's you know, we teach our kids to say thank you. 
don't we? We should. We teach them to say, no, what do you say? Thank you. Well, they don't really understand that. Well, but we teach them to practice that. And then as they get a little older and they begin to realize what's saying thank you, what's saying I so appreciate this. What we show appreciation to, what we show appreciation to will appreciate. But what we don't show appreciation to will depreciate. You think about that. If you show appreciation for someone coming and giving you a blessing, thank you. Ah, thank you. It appreciates in my, the church appreciates in my heart and in my life because I know that you're showing appreciation to me. That's great. To Pastor Joe for the church. We know that. And so it begins the church appreciates in our life as pastors, but even with you, when you show appreciation for leaders and for for the opportunity to come into worship together, show appreciation for the worship ministry, that man they lead us in worship. When you show when we show appreciation, those things appreciate. But when we don't show appreciation, they depreciate. You know, I know that I can think of things in my garage over the years that when I first got it, it was the greatest thing I have ever owned in my life. Oh my goodness. Look at that. I remember I'd polish it, whatever it was, a rod and reel, whatever it was. Oh, this is the greatest. And then life changes and things happen. And then it ends up going and being put in the corner of the garage. And then I put something in front of it. And then eventually I forget about it. And then one day I see it and it's all dusty. And I think, nah, don't really appreciate it. And so you know what happens? It just depreciates. And eventually it goes in the back of the truck, goes to Goodwill, whatever it is. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. There's times that we do get rid of things. I know that. But I'm just talking about the whole attitude of being grateful. There is an effect of gratitude that we need in our life. There is an effect of the lack of attitude, lack of gratitude that we don't need in our life. And that's where things, you know, our world gets smaller and smaller. We'll get to that in just a second. We'll get to that in just a second. I have so much stuff here, but I just want to kind of move fast through this. And let me just say this, that it's not life's job to make you grateful. It's not life's job. You know what? I thought life would have helped me. I thought, you know, if that would have, I would have been, it's not life's job to make you grateful. It's our job to remain grateful. It's a choice. Gratitude is a choice. I want to hurry and get through this because I got some things that aren't written down I want to say, but I want to get through this. You know, uh, you think about the disciples here. They were, uh, they're coming into Jerusalem. It's on Thursday, which was that night they were going to celebrate the Passover. Now, I don't know about you, but at my house on Thanksgiving, which happens to be on Thursday as well, but at my house on Thanksgiving, it doesn't get all put together on Wednesday night. As a matter of fact, today is what? Yeah, we've been talking about that. We've been asking questions. This is what happens when we start moving into Thanksgiving. And not for all of us, probably in one way or another, and everybody does it different. But it's not something we do wake up in the morning and go, oh, today's Thanksgiving. Now, maybe we do. And if you do, that's all good. But I'm just saying, contrast this with the disciples. You know, we, we, we began just, actually, Dana began uh, a few weeks ago, probably months ago. We've been talking about this. Uh, and I'm not saying that this was on the first of the thing, but, but a grocery list is talked about. 
a grocery list, and then there's a, a guest list. Who's going to come? Where are we going to eat? What's the table going to look like? Listen, guys, you know when we do men's breakfast here, Jennifer has said to me, why don't we put some t- decorations on the table? And we always say what? The only decoration we want is a bottle of Tabasco right in the middle. We don't want no flowers. We don't want no frillies, anything. We just want a bottle of Tabasco to go with our burrito. But, but, but women are different, and it's all good. I'm grateful for that fact. <laughs> grateful in more ways than you know. Maybe you do know, but anyway. But the thing is, is Thanksgiving is not something that gets thrown together as a rule. Unless there's things going on, I understand. There are seasons where things happen. But as a rule, it's something that we look forward to. Well, I would maybe consider that maybe that's kind of what the Passover was like. They're coming into Jerusalem. And as they come in, and and uh, Jesus knows that every step he takes, he's getting closer to the cross. Every step he takes, he knows he's in the window. He's very, very close. As a matter of fact, it's within just a few days that he'll be arrested, that he'll be beaten, and he'll be hanged on a cross. But he comes in, and he, as he gets there, and the disciples say, they looked at their watch, and they said, it's Thursday. This is the Passover. What are we going to do, Jesus? Where are we going to eat the Passover? Because that's what guys do, right? We look at our wives and go, tomorrow's Thanksgiving. What are we doing? Just go sit down. It's all under control, you know? But Jesus kind of did the same thing to them. Look, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I want you to go into the town, go into the city. And actually, and I think it's the gospel of Mark and maybe Luke. It talks about that man. And Jesus says, you will find a man that's carrying a water jar. I visualize him carrying it on his shoulder. He says, you're going to see a man there. This gospel says, you'll find a man. I'm thinking, really? There's probably lots of them. How do they recognize them? The other gospel says, you'll find a man with the water jar. And you're thinking, wouldn't there have been a lot of people with water jars? Now, what I read, they say that men didn't generally go retrieve water. That was what women did. Men did different things. And I'm not, don't, don't, don't look at me. I do all the water, like at my mom's. I get all the water jugs. I do all that. But I'm saying in this time, and that's how they would know. So he said, go into the city, and you're going to find a guy. He's going to have a water jug, and tell him. Now get this, tell him, my master's time's at hand, yeah, and we are going to celebrate the Passover at your house. Okay, before y'all run out of here t- tonight, or this morning, stop out here, because I'm going to tell some of you that I'm going to come and eat at your house on Thanksgiving. I'll be at your house, me and my whole family, there's about about 12 of us. There's about 12 of us, not counting me, we're going to be at your house, so just letting you know what... This guy was obvious. Jesus had it under control. He had it under control. Don't ask me to explain how, but somehow he knew. Somehow it was planned. Let me just take a little side note here. We going through things in our lives. We come into situations in our lives, and we're thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do. Look, it's Thursday. We're supposed to have this big deal tonight. We're supposed to celebrate this. And, you know, we've done it ever since we were babies. We don't miss this. This is not something we take lightly. Jesus, what are we going to do? Hey, don't worry. See, for us, we run into things in our lives, and we don't know what's going to happen. But rest assured of this, that God knows. God has things under control. But we, we just need to ask the question like the disciples. We need to be willing to ask the question like the disciples. What do we do? Lord, what do we do? 
And when he tells us, we're just going in the city and they're going to find a guy. When he gives us instructions, it's like, that's kind of crazy. You want me to walk up to a guy and tell him the 12 of us are going to be showing up at his house for dinner? That God may tell you to do something that seems totally crazy. I was, I was listening to a podcast yesterday and just in kind of a, a, a place and uh, just kind of driving and thinking and God, <laughs> oh Lord. And I felt like the Lord, I listened to this podcast and I heard this guy. He said, you know, when, when you need, when you need an answer from God, let me tell you what generally happens. You cry out to God and you know what he sends you? A problem. Why would he do that? He'll send you a giant. He'll send you a problem. You know why? Because it's not in your hands. Joe and I were talking the other day, and uh, there's a book that I've been reading through, and it's called Goliath Must Fall, and it makes this contrast in this story. And he says, uh, we contrast this story of David and Goliath, and we always see David as the devil or the big problem, and we're David or Goliath the giant, Goliath the big problem, and we are David. And he says, we're not David. We're not David. Jesus is David. Jesus is the one that comes and fights the battle. God's not asking us to go fight the battle. You know what our battle is? To just continue to believe, to live our lives, to let our lives become as the gospel. Let our lives become as speaking life. And it doesn't mean that we just kind of lay down and let things happen. We still have to push forward and move forward. But the truth of the matter is, is when the enemy can destroy our hope and our confidence and our gratitude, you know what happens? We stop loving everything. We can't quit loving. We'll quit loving our country. We'll quit loving our family. Well, I love them, but no, no. It's, I'm not talking about just saying it. I mean showing love. Showing love. When we lose a heart of gratitude because problems become too heavy and too big, what ends up happening? We can begin to lose our practicing of love, showing love to our family because nobody knows the troubles I've seen. Nobody knows. All of us could sing that song. You could take a verse, and then I could take another verse, and then you could take another verse, because nobody knows the troubles that we go through, and I'm not making light of those things. But I'm just saying a heart of gratitude keeps us grounded. It helps us to put roots down. It helps us to get up and to not focus on the things that didn't happen, but to focus on the things that God has done which will remind me that he's a faithful God and the things that he's going to do. He is a faithful, faithful God. Let me move forward through about most of these things here. Let me go through four quick things with you today. Gratitude. The gratitude effect. What does the gratitude do in my life? They're written down on your paper there if you've got it. Uh, number one, gratitude protects my perspective. Because when I live with a heart of ingratitude, my perspective is that life stinks. Life doesn't, life stinks. Life is miserable. Life is, it's not, I don't even know if it's worth living. An, an ingrateful attitude. And here's the thing. There's lots of things that can turn us that way. Because here's the thing. Gratitude is a choice. It's something we practice. We practice it. You know why we practice it? Because we're not real good at it as, as just human beings and just our own normal lifestyle, the way we live. We have to practice it. We have to put it into practice. It needs to become our lifestyle. Gratitude protects my perspective, the way I see the future. 
It refreshes my outlook. If I can get up in the morning and I can take some time, my feet hit the ground without taking off running because I got to run and I, because I'm too important to not do this and I got to get there and I got to do this. If I can stop and begin to think through the goodness, the good things that God has done in my life. And I'll talk about those because I want to give you a challenge this morning, but I'll talk about that in a second. But gratitude helps protect my perspective. It helps me refocus my outlook, refocuses me. It brings things into clarity from God's standpoint and God's perspective. When we live with a a heart of gratitude, a grateful attitude, a grateful heart. Number two, gratitude refocuses my future. Because when we become ingrateful, or I don't even want to use that word, when we just don't practice gratitude, okay? I guess it's the same thing, but it just sounds nicer. When we don't practice gratitude, you know what happens? I only see what's right in front of me. I see what's under my feet. I see the muck oozing up between my toes. It's sucking me down. This is just, there's nowhere to go. This is the end of the road. Oh, my goodness. But when we practice gratitude, we see the future. We see things that are ahead. When we practice gratitude, when you show gratitude for your job, you can see the potential down the road that things can happen. When you practice gratitude, you will begin to see uh, uh, things down the road that are you're looking forward to rather than thinking, oh, I don't. Oh, God, how long, Lord? How long must I endure this? We might look, I don't do that. Maybe we might say that. But the truth of the matter is, is do we look out and say, God, I'm looking so forward to that. There's great things ahead. There's great things ahead. It helps me to realize that I'm not just living for right now. Gratitude does. That I'm actually living for somebody that God has created me to be, I am becoming somebody different than I am right now. I'm changing. What God is transforming my life. But that only really, the environment that helps us to move forward with that is an attitude of gratitude. Rather than, why would I want to try any harder? Look at my miserable existence. I was talking to a person one day, and just somebody here at the altar, and this has happened many times, but one thing in particular, one, I was talking to someone, or maybe it was a text message, I don't remember. But as I was talking and, and you know, praying for them and just encouraging them, and then as they got ready to leave, I said, look, have a good day, have a good week. And they turned at me and they said, I never have a good day. And I thought, be it unto you according to your faith. I don't want to say that like, you know, who cares? But I'm just saying, somewhere we've got to learn that gratitude, I'm preaching to me today. Somewhere we've got to stop and we've got to put down roots and say, okay, I can't control this, 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 that, 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 whatever, all this, but I can only control this. I can I can put something into me into practice. I can put gratitude into practice. I can say, I can put this, this uh, you know, resistance around me to say, I'm not going to let, uh, in ingratitude, or what's the word, ingratefulness. I'm not going to let that get in my heart. I'm going to practice gratitude. I'm going to practice it. And so gratitude refocuses my future. And then, of course, the next one here is gratitude gravitates 
It moves me toward generosity. It moves me. So we got the shoe boxes out here. If I'm grateful for the things that God's done in my life, you know what? I'm not saying, well, that, that's, the, that's the litmus test right now. You know, if we can live with the heart and an attitude of gener- generosity, we can't be generous to other people if we're ungrateful. If we feel like, well, nobody does anything for me. Look at what I'm going through and nobody cares. I saw this thing on Facebook, a friend acquaintance that I know, and they had gone through a very difficult time. And, and I know, unless I could recognize the way it was written. Well, as of today, I will no longer be on Facebook because obviously I don't have any friends. Of course, they left that up there for a while so people could do posts. But the thing is, it's like, you know, I know, I, I know they're hurting. And I know what these people have gone. I know what this situation, I know what they've gone through. So I'm not like knocking them. I'm just saying, if you could pull aside and say, let me, let me help you. Look, we don't, I don't get my, my encouragement and my hope, my encouragement or hope from, I, I like encouragement from you, but I can't depend on it. I have to encourage myself. I have to be grateful. When I show gratitude, let me tell you what happens. I begin to begin to show generosity. And generosity is not just what comes out of your wallet. It's what comes out of your mouth. It's what comes out of your life. How you help others. How you recognize maybe what somebody's going through. And you come alongside. Not to, listen, there's nothing worse than somebody coming into your life and saying, let me just handle this for you. Because the truth of the matter is, is if it could be handled, I'd handle it. I don't know what to do. If you want to talk to me and encourage me and speak with me, I'm good. But the thing is, is a generous word is you can make it. Let's talk this through. Let's figure this out. Generosity or gratitude cultivates it. It gravitates us towards generosity. Proverbs 11.24, this is the verse I was going to mention a minute ago. Uh, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. So I guess you could probably put in there the world of the grateful. The world of the grateful, the world of the generous gets larger and the larger. But the world of the ingrateful or the world of the stingy, I think it says, becomes smaller and smaller. And I don't want to live in a small world. I don't want to live in a world that I'm only surrounded by by difficulties. Man, God is an amazing God. Let me get through this because I'll give you a couple of quick thoughts, and then we're going to close. Uh, number four, uh, last one, gratitude attracts the right people. You ever notice... <laughs> When you when you're in a when you're in a, a bad place and and it's like all of a sudden everybody around you's got there it's kind of like top that story. Well, yeah, I was just going through this and I don't know, man. It's just this and 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 you're not gonna believe what happened. And they're sitting there waiting. Oh, you just hang on. I'm gonna tell you right now. Oh, let me tell. You. Oh, that's bad. But let me tell you, this is so much worse. What I just went through. And listen, I know problems are real. But if you and I can practice. Gratitude, you know what happens? It begins to attract different people. And we begin to be put something else in people's lives. And I'm not saying, oh man, I don't want people that are going through problems around me. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, be the light. Be the light. Be a person. Let's be people who offer. I love that verse. I, that verse we read earlier. Let your life become as the gospel. Our lives need to become as the good news. People need to hear there's a God in heaven that loves them. There's a God in heaven, heaven that absolutely loves them. Now, 
let me just, I'm going to skip through everything here and hit these last things. Then I'm going to share uh, one or two quick thoughts, and then we're going to do communion. I want to receive communion with you. So basically, the, last, the, the four things are is that gratitude will protect our perspective. We have to practice it. Gratitude will focus our future. It takes our eyes off of the present, the present, the, where they say the nasty now and now. It puts it on the sweet by and by. <laughs> it takes it off of this and puts it on that. There's a great future ahead. It, it will move us uh, towards generosity and it will attract the right people, the right attention. People begin to pay attention. Now, I was this past week studying along these lines and I came across a little just a little exercise I'm doing. I'm just going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to try this. and uh, Not try, just do it. And that is every single morning. Now, every single morning, if you would get up and you would write down three things you're grateful for. And it's like, oh, that's easy. I'm grateful for my shoes. I'm grateful for my shirt. I'm grateful for my pants. I'm not talking about that. Now, if that's what you are, because the thing is, is who knows? But, it, but to write it down, but not just to write them down, but then to write why you're grateful. I'm grateful for my wife. Then ask yourself the question, why are you grateful for your wife? Well, because she makes me pick my socks up and she makes me... <laughs> That's probably not going to go on the paper. <laughs> and I probably shouldn't have said that right now. But anyway, uh, why am I grateful for my wife? Because she has been the best part of my life. Now, I'm just telling you, I wrote a lot of this stuff down, but I have to stop and think about it. Now, I, this is me. Because she's given me two beautiful children that have given me two beautiful grandchildren. Because we've planned, we've done things that we've done, and I can stop, and I can write down, and I can write down, and I can write down, and I can write down so many things. And sometimes I get all three. I, actually, I started trying to do five. It's impossible for me because when I start declaring why I'm gratitude, uh, why I'm grateful for my wife, for my job. Why I'm grateful for my salvation, because I don't get to have to go to hell now. Okay, but what else? When we stop and we begin to personalize it and and, and cause it to be, and not this is not I would encourage us if you can only get one a day, then do one. But find something, determine something you're grateful for, and when you begin to talk about it, journal it, write it down, think it through, write it down, and then you will begin to realize you'll begin to show love for that like never before because you begin to go, huh. not that I forgot, I just didn't think about it. I just, I, I, it, it, was, it was covered over by everything else. Gratitude, gratefulness causes us to begin to appreciate things and show love like never before. 